Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Ticker Points. Uh, this week my guest is Kyle Carvel, Gaelic Life Comist, and among other things we're going to talk about injuries, uh, the Super 8s and the coverage of hurling on TV of, of the past weekend. Um, so Kyle, you've obviously got a, a moon boot on you, we didn't really speak about it last time, a fortnight ago, you want to give us a bit of input into the moon boot and also your column into discovering your career may be over. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far now, uh, <laughs> Ronan, but um, certainly it, when I looked at this season um, at the start of the year, it wasn't something I'd factored into it. Um, I have had injuries in the past, um, broken fingers and thumbs and things associated with, I suppose, playing hurling and football, um, but none that were, were one, career-threatening, or two, that uh, impacted my ability to play during the season. This one's been slightly different, a pretty innocuous challenge. I went to, to shoot, turning on to my right foot, which would be the favoured foot anyway, um, and the foot stayed in the ground, and whatever way my body turned, I heard a pop, and I thought someone had maybe stood on my heel or something had happened, and when I turned around, I was on the ground, and my foot was vibrating, and I knew instantly with the pain that it wasn't good. Um, I had heard people who had uh, done Achilles uh, injuries before um, and had been watching the AFL where one of the guys had ruptured his Achilles and he had looked back as if someone had tackled him from behind but whatever way his foot had gone so it's diagnosed as a ruptured Achilles. The length of um, me being out from coming back to play competitively is nine to twelve months which has obviously ended my season at the time um i thought i would be fine and uh, uh, yes it was sore but i thought i'll go to the doctors here and they tell me you know i've done ligaments or something like that um, but when i got the prognosis that it was um season ending and potentially career ending it was a pretty dark day for for me i had gone across to the hospital on my own thinking it would have been fine and then when i got the news it was like a hammer blow and that's why in my column in the Gaelic life last week i wanted to sort of bring that to the fore for other people who have suffered the same injury and also how they have dealt with it and how to deal with it going forward because as I said in my column, the GA has been my life for since I was able to walk and being told I can't play a championship this year, um, even though I think I, you know in my mind I should still be able to, to do it. But with this type of injury, um, it's really the mental side of things that I've sort of struggled a wee bit with by trying to stay positive and you know support my teammates and making sure they're ready for a championship. But unfortunately, I can't be on the field with them to help. One of the hardest things is being on your own and not having anybody around you because you've just got to spend time rehabbing. Like yeah. you will, you'll be able to come back and still play though. But you're, is it you're worried about not playing at the highest level again? The initial worry is not being able to play again um, because of the strain and the way I suppose my game is. There's a lot of. Um, uh, quick turns and um, movement like that of being at a, I suppose, a lower centre of gravity, you rely on your strength of your Achilles and your hamstrings etc. And the doctor when they had looked at it and they did an ultrasound on it when I was sitting there, it was quite funny because the other, only other people in the ultrasound unit were people coming in for pregnancy um, checkups. So um, was sitting there with your leg in a cast at the time and being unable to move your foot and having to keep your foot, the, the key thing for an Achilles injury, which I've learned is to keep your foot like a ballerina, pressed down like that there. So not only do I have the boot, but I have a, a incline on the boot to make sure my leg stays like that. So 
the recovering the injury is going to be take a long time but then recovering the strength in your muscles not being used for an example um the nurse the last time i was at the hospital said that there's been a 40 percent um, decrease in muscle mass in my calf as a result of not using it so it's like any muscle even your brain you know you don't use it you lose it and um the big uh, and the, the big problem and what's going to take the time for me to recover is to actually build up muscle mass again so I'm fit to actually use both legs and obviously the right leg has been overcompensating so it's getting back to using that and even now on the crutches when I'm putting uh, a small amount of weight on the, the boot you know it, it has been difficult even to get around. What advice have people given to you to, in order to deal with the, I suppose the mental side, you said this is the hardest part, what, what sort of advice have you got? Yeah, well, when I when I did go to the doctors and before, I suppose one of the changes when you're not playing at an inter-county level, in terms of even the medical um, uh, side of things, previously when I broke my elbow playing, um, I was the next day you're in uh, Nightbridge under the insurance with the county and I was seen by a specialist straight away and he could diagnose the problem um, and what the best recovery was but when obviously having retired from the county with the club um, the next stage was just NHS and in fairness the doctors and the nurses in the Royal have been fantastic and it's been great advice but um, they will be dealing with I suppose the, the normal people who have had these type of injuries and maybe not the, the, the sports people as much so the mental side of things for me is I've spoken to a few people who have um, had these injuries and it's trying to stay positive trying to you know be there for your teammates as they prepare for championship. And I went back to work after the day because sitting at the house, you need to keep your mind active and being on your own and things that got there make it even more difficult. But when I went back to work, even though I was in the crutches and shorts on for a, a few uh, days, which isn't probably great in a law firm, but uh, everyone understood and were really supportive of me not only in work, um, but also if there's anything I need in terms of travelling and to, to client meetings and things like that. So, plus it's a good icebreaker as well. But mentally staying positive that I will be back and I just need to go through the, through the process, trust the medical advisors, trust the physios, put in the hard work on my own when I need to and come February, March next year, um, hopefully I'll be back on the field. Um, and given on getting married next year, I'm, I'm under strict orders to make sure I'm back walking by then. <laughs> so uh, that's an incentive in itself to, to get back. But I, after the initial disappointment, now it's right, what do I need to do to make sure I'm back on that field next year? Great athletes are mentally strong enough to come back from big injuries. I watched the Dawn Wall, the climbing movie about Tommy Caldwell, who went through a whole lot of uh, things in his life, but one of them was losing his index finger, mm -hmm. and he's a world-class climber. And they told him, like, you need to find a new career, but he um, decided against that and stick, stayed being a mountain climber and ended doing El Cap, the, the climb of it. And it just says to me, like, it takes a serious mental strength, and you have to be mentally strong to... <laughs> to beat those challenges like you know yeah well i think and that's one of the great things for sport in general and one of the the points i touched on in the the column was that um a you know life is crap at times and you just have to hang in there and that's a lesson in itself not only in terms of sporting injuries but in your life you'll have setbacks and um for young people playing sport and having to deal with that adversity and learning from it um sport is a great teacher for that and obviously for me it's slightly different in that this has come towards the the autumn of my career so i'm not um expecting that I'm going to play for another 10 years. You know, the reality of it has sort of brought it home a wee bit to me. And that's 
maybe in my mind that's more impactful than if I did this when I was 19 or 20 then I would definitely have been pushing to come back but certainly I think I've still got a lot to give to the club and I want to be back and to be in the best shape I can be um, to contribute to a championship run hopefully next season. This season's over for me but I'm there to support the boys to make sure that they do the business when it comes to uh, the end of the month. If we think about the weekend, there's a number of teams who had to come up against adversity and some won, some lost. One of them was Leash and Tipperary in the, in the hurling. Leash had come out of the Joe McDonough and were, we spoke about it last time, about the, how that they should get good coverage because this was a team that you know deserved to get it. But they didn't in the end. They didn't really get enough TV time. Um, what, did you, what, what did you think of that? Were you disappointed or frustrated or...? Yeah, well, certainly I was disappointed. I think I was disappointed for the, the Leash guys themselves, having played against them earlier in my career. Um, you know, the likes of the Potty Parcels and the Kingston, who have been there around the team for a long time. Um, they have done unbelievably well, obviously, to win the Joe McDonough um, in, in a great game against Westmeath. And they showed the like the lovely brand of hurling that they do play as well. Like, everyone talks about them you know, being physically strong and the work ethic and all that there. But... I think it did show yesterday for the limited amount of coverage that it did get that actually these guys are very good hurlers and are able to hurl with the best of them and Eddie Brennan's done a fantastic job in bringing up them them to that level and bringing a bit of unity to the, the, the county to get the best players back in to play for them. Now, in terms of we discussed previously about the second tier football championship. We discussed about the tiered championship in terms of the two things that I am have been banging the drum about, you know, respect and promotion. Um, and the one question which I had in my mind was the coverage from the Sunday game last night. There was two and a half uh, minutes of coverage in the whole two and a half hours um, that, that were dedicated to the, the programme. And in that uh, two and a half minutes, the actual analysis was less than 30 seconds. And then the other issue was that they got the half-time score wrong as well. And I know there are other pressures on the programming and time limits, etc., etc. Maybe if Joe didn't speak as long, they would have got a bit more of that there. But if you're really wanting to push on in terms of leash and promoting the hurling in that uh, county and promoting hurling in the weaker counties on the other parts outside of the big six, six in Ireland, you have to give the respect and promotion to teams like Leash, and they're on, they're there on merit. The question I had was, if it was Dublin, and they were playing um, against Tipperary yesterday, do you think they would have got uh, uh, two and a half minutes of coverage? Absolutely not. So, because it's Leash, um, why was it different for them? But speaking from the media's point of view, like uh, we're a newspaper, so we have to run things that we see think will sell a newspaper so RT have to run things that they think is going to get enough coverage for the advertiser they're not really too worried about like they supposed to be but they're not too they can't be too worried about um getting uh, promoting the game like i mean they could argue that surely the leash fans will still go out, kids will still go on to play for leash and want to play for leash yeah well there i suppose there's two side of things here that when we're talking about it and you know, when you're talking about the GEA and you're pushing the, the, the concept of money in the GEA, you know, is there not a bigger picture here? Are we not saying we want to promote uh, Gaelic games throughout the country to make sure that people get the benefit of that there, that we have a vibrant um, GEA community? And, you know, is it the onus on the GEA to actually say to RTE, well, we, yes, we understand that, you know, there's advertisers involved and that's fine, but there is also an onus on you to promote the game as well. And yes, there was a good leash support uh, there in Crow Park yesterday, but 
there has to be two sides of this here, promoting the game and making sure for future generations there's a vibrant uh, GA, whether it be Gaelic football, hurling, camogie, uh, ladies football, and to make sure that that's pushed on for the next generation. And that will in a, <laughs> will help in itself to bring in more uh, uh, commercialisation and bring in those sponsors as well. So both need each other. And we can't just say, well, Leash isn't the biggest draw. If Dublin have the biggest population uh, course, then uh, we have to show them more. And if we go down that completely commercialised model of the GAA, you know, then that erodes the core of what the GA was founded on and what was based on of participation and enjoying the games. And, you know, where we have a vibrant GA, especially in rural communities as well, that really helps the community and benefits the people uh, and the wider GA community. So when we are looking at things being driven by money and the euro or the pound, um, especially when it comes to the GA, I don't think that's a model that we want to be looking at and it shouldn't be driving um, RTE's coverage given that they are a national broadcaster. I know what you're saying. So it's an ideology really, like if you're taking that mindset, then the, the, then that's going to move, push on out into the rest of the teams. I, I just still feel that the teams will still get support whether the games it wasn't long ago that we were talking about they shouldn't be putting games on TV because then people will stop people from mm -hmm. going to the actual mm -hmm. matches mm -hmm. like the GA should yeah. want people to get in the gates in terms of that there it's all about the promotion whether you know it's on TV I don't think is uh, um, you know a stopper to people who actually want to go down and there was as I say a good crowd of least supporters there um, that went to the game as well you know the sun was shining where else would you want to be um, supporting your team so it's a mix of both and uh, myself I listened to the game on the radio because uh, I'd been traveling yesterday and you know the the colorful vibrancy of the commentary you know was really uh, brilliant and I enjoy listening to the radio on, on occasion so you know it's a collective of going to the games making sure it's promoted the coverage from uh, newspapers like the Gaelic Life to make sure that people are discussing it they're interested in it and it captures the imagination of the wider public and I think Leash's journey this year has done that um, but making sure it's promoted and uh, it's uh, available to be watched but also um, that they're given the respect they deserve and the Leash fans have the option of you know, going to the game, which they did in numbers, and also for those that can't travel, that they're able to, to watch it, and it's not there behind the paywall in, in some other instances. There's a concern then if when the Tier 2 comes in next year that we may not be seeing as much as we like to think we will, you know, the argument that Derry or whoever is going to be playing in a final, then it may not even be on the TV, and so it won't really matter. Yeah, well, I suppose it goes back to my initial point. If it's promoted and it's given the uh, the amount of respect that it should get, and it is actually pushed forward and it's advertised by the GAA and it is on TV, on the radio, and the various news outlets give it the promotion it deserves, then that won't be an issue. But that has to be a conscious decision made. If we're bringing in a second-tier football championship, it has to be pushed on as much as the, the Sam Maguire. And if it's not done like that, then it won't work. We saw it previously with the uh, Tommy Murphy Cup. It wasn't given that respect and given the promotion that it deserved, and it fell away. But if it is done properly and they're both at a similar um, level of coverage, then it will work. If it's not, it won't. Again, going back to the ladies' football, the junior, intermediate and the senior are promoted 
uh, almost the same and they're given the respect that the players deserve and that the teams deserve and the amount of effort they're putting in deserves. So, you know, there is a model already there that works and why not bring that into a second tier football championship? So do you think then that the eight teams that are playing in the Super 8s will get an advantage down if, if it were to continue on as it is and we are the top eight teams or ten will get more coverage than the rest? Will the J grow faster in those counties? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. When I was playing at intercounty level with Armagh, they talked about being the flagship to have some of the young guys in your club and in your county that will see you playing in Crow Park or see you in papers and they want to actually replicate that. And, you know, as fickle as it is, Youngsters will gravitate towards teams that are winning, like I'm sure last year after Liverpool winning, they all want Liverpool jerseys or whatever else. And similarly, where there are successful teams, like even teams outside of uh, Dublin, the young fellas are wearing the Dublin jersey as well. If your team is successful, if they're getting more coverage, then you want to be the Cahill McShane's, you want to be the Shimi O'Shea, and that's promoting the, the game amongst some of the younger generation because also, in terms of the hearts and minds, there are other sports out there as well. So you want to make sure that the young fella who from Middletown, from Coal Island, from uh, wherever, you know, picks up a hurl or uh, puts on the football boots and seeing some of their heroes that they can go to the games with and seeing those players play at a high level on TV is going to be uh, beneficial in terms of that. The counter I have to this, the one I always pull out, is that kids gravitate to the club players. Like mm -hmm. It's club where we draw the people into the GA, not the county game. You know, If you go out to the any club, you'll see 50, 100, 200 people. The Fela, Cool Camps is the biggest money turner for the mm -hmm. GA because they, those kids are just playing. So they'll still play if they see their club teams. And the GA is more people playing at club level than has at county level. So as long as the they're trying for the clubs, it doesn't really matter who's shown on TV. Well, I don't know if it doesn't really matter. And you're right in that the clubs are the who are bringing the young players in along with the schools as well. But um, if that was the case, then at the cool camps and all, why do they bring the county players there? You know, so that's the other point to it. The players want to get their jersey signed by Colin Calvin. They want to get their jersey signed, um, you know, by Ryan O'Neill. Those are the players that are the flagship, the shop window. Yes, they want to be the the top club players, and they're talked about with respect, etc. And that sort of brings them in. And families gravitate towards the clubs, and because your brother plays, I played because my older brother played, and my younger brothers played because I played, and you know, we all cousins, etc. Um, played on the same team because we all did but having that as I said shop window that flagship of the county players does encourage them to go out and be like um, the, the, those players and the club is the backbone of what we are about as, a, uh, as an organisation um, but I think where it's promoted and teams are successful ultimately that will help bring in some of those players which maybe are those young fellas that aren't in cool camps or that families aren't associated with certain club teams and that can't be a bad thing if we're promoting it properly and we're getting as much of the, the youngsters to come in to play for clubs and with a view to maybe playing for the county if they're good enough I think that can't be a bad thing well, We interviewed our paper and people ask what are your our paper and other papers that who they want to be like they'll often say county man from their own county but 30 years ago everybody wanted to be Pat Spillane and th those fellas because those are the guys on TV so mm -hmm. TV you, if you take you could take that argument that if it's on TV then you could be inspired to be play for your county but 
uh, at the weekend there was the Super 8 games. What was your takeaway from that? Uh, it looks uh, Dublin destroyed Cork. What Was that game an evidence that Cork can be got at or that does Dublin have an extra gear that nobody else has? For me, it's not the Super 8s anymore, it's the Super 4. The only teams that can compete, well, obviously Dublin are, you know, number one, and rightly so, four in a row championships. Play a, a beautiful brand of football and are really exciting to watch as well. Uh, you know, Tyrone have reverted to the defensive, but ultimately um, were far too good for Ross Common, and that was down there as well, you know. So I think Tyrone ultimately uh, will progress. Uh, were Mayo at, I think they the scraped by Armagh and I think they were shown up to, uh, maybe the legs are gone and some of those players who have played a long time for the county, I know there are injuries as well but Kerry had it all their own way um, as well. In terms of Donegal, similarly to the Dublin um, game, uh, me stayed in it for a long time um, and were very competitive. But ultimately, they have that Donegal have that extra gear um, to push on, and McHugh I think is coming to the boil at the right time and was was very good. Um, in the game, and we always have Murphy there, and uh, they have a plethora of really exciting young players with that key ingredient being pace to um, threaten the likes of the dubs. For me, those are the four teams in it. The rest of them will just be making up the numbers and I think later on in that competition there's going to be a lot of uh, heavy drummings from some of those teams that lost this weekend. So it's a good sign if there's two Ulster teams in the last if in, the, in your top four, yeah. Kyle Carver's top four. Yeah. Yeah, you can quote that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think it is a good sign. But like, ultimately, at the start of the year, um, where would you have placed Donegal and um, Tyrone? Donegal, um, well, are now back to back Ulster champions and have a lot of good young players uh, coming through. Uh, I think that they are they the team to knock Dublin off their perch this year. It's it's hard to know. I don't think so personally. I think Dublin will just be too good for everybody, and they will do five in a row. Um, in terms of Tyrone, the system which they set up, which we've talked about before, um, they have reverted maybe back to type or where they feel secure in this more defensive side of things with McShane up top. And I think one of the I suppose casualties of this going back to this system. Uh, Matty Donnelly, who is, yeah, it's hard to argue with, is one of the best uh, footballers in the country at the minute. We haven't seen him anywhere near his best this season um, uh, as well. And for, in, in, in order for Tyrone to compete with Dublin and, to I suppose, lesser extent, Donegal, they need all of their top players playing at the top level. And um, I don't think the overall, the system that they play, doesn't um, lend itself to beating the top, top teams. Yes, they'll turn over uh, um, Ross Common, even um, in, in their home patch, but when it comes to the elite level, the Dublins of this world, um, and even the Donegals of this world, and potentially Kerry, um, I don't think that they, this system uh, lends itself to beating those teams. It's, it lends itself to containing them, but when you eradicate the silly fouling and maybe the a referee gives um, not as many soft frees, shall we say, I think Tyrone maybe will come up a wee bit short. Um, but in saying that, in terms of their defence, like Ronald McNamee is, you know, what he did at the weekend to um, Cox, who was having a brilliant season and he just shut him down completely. They have some great defenders and their transition is good, but I think McShane on his own is up front isn't going to win an All-Ireland for them. 
Cork went man to man with Dublin for a long time. That would, could be a system that Tyrone used. I know they use it in their final for a period, but the, it, it does show that that's the best way to go at. Um. Going man to man is what I want to see. You know, if I'm paying into the likes of Crow Park or um, going up to Clonus, I want to see teams go man to man and test themselves uh, against the best. You know, Dublin, I think, are coming to boil at the right time um, as well in the league. They've flattered to deceive to an extent um, and maybe they've put now put in the hard work to get to the stage where they're at. Cork went man for man and, you know, played some really good football. It was exciting, it was open. You know, they went 5-0 up at one point uh, at the start of the game and it looked like actually Dublin were um, could have be in trouble, that they maybe had come in complacent. Um, but in the end, their class showed, and it's that third quarter, you know, last 10, that they actually put their best football together. You know, Jack McCaffrey was excellent, and that's he's come back to his best that he was a couple of years ago when he was player of the year. And when you have, you know, the strength and depth that they do have, and their running game, especially in Crow Park, and that's why... I wouldn't say Crow Park Central to them uh, going uh, for this five in a row, but it certainly helps when you have those two games and when you know the, the field and when you have those strike runners coming off the, the shoulder and the the ability to um, kick scores in tight um, areas. I think that is a real benefit and is worth two or three points at least to Dublin every time they go out. Uh, I think Donegal and Kerry, to a lesser extent, have the ability to ask serious questions of Dublin, but ultimately I think um, with Jeremy Connolly coming back as well, that impact off the bench and that experience that he ha- has, I think they will be too good um, in the, the coming weeks. Did Donegal have a better chance than Throne or is it, much, is it similar? I think actually Donegal probably have a, the best chance of the, the chasing pack. Um, now Kerry were very impressive um, at the weekend and the, the key thing to both teams when it comes down to, down the stretch in those uh, championship rounds, uh, they have the ability to still break the tackle and they have the ability to keep making those long bursting runs to win the ball, especially from the kick-out. There was a number of occasions at the, the weekend where um, Stephen O'Brien for uh, Kerry was making the runs out to the, the wing to be that link man along with Seamus O'Shea in the half-forward line. And that is it, it, one of the most difficult lines to play in football um, these days is providing that link between defence and attack. We talk about the transition and they do it very, very well. There's one point in the, the, the first half where um, Seamus O'Shea who I think actually is they talk about David Clifford but I think he is the complete footballer in that Kerry team in the forward line and he is the guy that makes them tick and he made a burst from the the one side of the the wing and then hard ran it turned and ran straight across the other side to pick up a a ball to link it to the full forward line and took his man on and you know he was running for or 500 yards at full pelt and to take the ball at the end and kick it over the bar and it's that hard running game that wears teams down um, and the likes of uh, Donegal have those players as well with McFadden and Owen Bond Gallagher and um, Michael Murphy and they have the, the, the pace to do that Ultimately, it's going to come down potentially to physicality. And if you look at the Donegal team, they have very big players, really great athletes. And are they the team to actually take it to um, Jim Gavin and this Dublin team? I think they have all the credentials to do it. But I think maybe this year has come a year too early for them. There was a couple of Ulster finals at the weekend, Tyrone 
um, beat Derry in the under twenties and Monaghan beat Tyrone in the minors. Like the minors one's particularly interesting because it was back to back for Monaghan. Like, what do you think that says? Is it a good a good sign that that team's coming through? Um, and but it also says a lot too that Tyrone in both finals. Yeah, it does, and uh, we not we not get into the population debate in terms of Tyrone and the the GA and there, but they are GA mod county and especially Guinness football, um, and they have consistently produced strong underage teams, and that has um, come through in terms of their their senior team. And we were actually um, speaking at the weekend about um, Colin Calvina and the fact that he had played in uh, an All-Ireland final in 2004 in the minors and then he was in 2008 when they uh, won the All-Ireland he kicked the, the last point in the um, All-Ireland final having come on as a sub so and I suppose look at Kerry as well the those guys that I've alluded to previously you know are on the conveyor belt of five in a row which the the, the minors had had um, done down in Kerry but the in terms of your team and your county and how they actually progress and how they um, turn um, teams who maybe haven't produced and haven't won anything in quite a long time um, how they turn that around is through the the youth and um, I think it does bode well for Monaghan that they have done back-to-back under-17 um, uh, titles and the key is now to keep that group together and to push that group on to turn into a strong and well-equipped senior team and the transition from under-17 especially to um, senior level is difficult, it's a difficult period in some of these players' lives, in terms of exams, in terms of going to university, and there's a lot of, I suppose, uh, distractions at that stage, but keeping a focus on the GEA and um, nurturing that talent through to senior has to be key for a small county, which is what they are, like Monaghan, and when they're seniors, I think this year, like Mayo, they have a lot of miles on the clock, and I think this Monaghan team will be in transition for a number of years until they bring through that good crop at under-17 level. Um, in terms of Tyrone, they have the, the playbook as to how to turn um, minor uh, Ulster and All-Ireland titles and under-21 as it was previously into um, serious senior teams and serious uh, players who are able to compete at All-Ireland level. And even the current crop um, of senior Tyrone players have all Ireland medals in their back pocket, which can only be a good thing when you're going up to compete against Dublin, who are one of the um, all-time great teams. And it's, it'll be interesting to actually see. Ta- I know this is uh, hypothetical, but taking Dublin out of that, you couldn't. It'd be very hard to pick who's going to win the All Ireland um, this year in the football championship. But the bedrock of any successful senior team is bringing through good players from uh, underage. And you know, I suppose it is exciting times in Monaghan. Um, on Tyrone and bringing those players through to compete at um, senior level um, in this day and age is going to be tough because of the physicalities of the, the game that are apparent now and the development in some of those players uh, over the next couple of years but it, it will be exciting to see where they, they go. I was at the game yesterday and Mickey Hart was one of the men uh, w- walking through the players afterwards and he had a big grin on his face because he probably thought to himself, I've got a great batch of under-20 ones and even though the minors lost, they're a great batch of players too. Mm-hmm. So it was an exciting time for a drone and an exciting time for us. That'll do. Thanks very much, Carl, okay. for chatting to us. Um, we'll maybe see you in a fortnight's time again. We'll talk more about the Super 8s. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Rowan. Thank you. Thanks very much. So thanks for watching and we'll see you again in a fortnight's time.